the NEPSAC and the league is getting more competitive. Kids are doing their homework. Programs are giving players the year-round experience. That was Berkshire School boys soccer head coach Tony Amalo, and he's the guest on today's episode of New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. Welcome to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast, the podcast for serious soccer players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their soccer careers. And now, here's your host, Matt Langoni. Welcome into another episode of New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. Today I'll be joined by Berkshire School boys soccer head coach, Tony Amalo. Tony, thanks so much for taking the time with us today. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. You and I were just talking off air about how we've been wanting to do this for a while. But, you know, in season, it's so tough. I know all the hats that you wear at Berkshire and the, and the busyness of the fall made things difficult. But I'm glad we were able to catch up and, and chat now. And it's it's kind of crazy that the, the 2023 prep season is only six months away right now. So we're, we're, we're not even that far away from the next season. Weather's starting to get nicer. So, so that's good. First and foremost, we should kind of touch on last season, the 2022 season for the program. It was your first season as head coach at Berkshire, and by all accounts, it was a great season for you guys. Just kind of walk us through what made 2022 a success for Berkshire. I, I think a couple of things were key factors that led to the success of the previous season. Firstly, I would say the players. We brought a, brought a good group of players in, and they bought into the philosophy of the team, the culture, also the coaching staff. They... I, I wouldn't have accomplished anything without them. There are a lot of things I outlined that we were trying to accomplish, want to provide for the kids, the experience, also learning and understanding the game and not just playing. So back, we went down to the little details and that was, that was phenomenal. They were really helpful in helping getting my idea to the kids and supporting them from the start of the season to the end of the season. Also, we would probably not do anything without the trainers and all their administrators of Berkshire supporting us all the way. The players bought into it. I think that was that was just like, that was the key thing. They bought into what I was selling to them and they were cohesive. They loved each other on and off the field. And I think that translated in the way they played, the way they carried themselves around campus and the little things they did. What would you say is kind of the the Tony Amalo culture? What do you what what did you try to instill in, in that first year? I mean, you're, you're a young coach. You were, I believe, what class of 2013 at Berkshire yourself. So you you're not all that far removed from playing at the school. But how would you kind yeah. of sum up that culture? I would say I think we we live by a, a simple motto like take care of the little things, and the big things is will take care of themselves. And right from the locker room, the locker spaces, right from how they give back to the community, what they do. Like we have a, a nice dining hall and they play, they, they're part of like the folks that help out to clean the dining hall after the kids are done, like holding them accountable, how to communicate those little things. So I, I, I think them how to take care of those little things and balance it, their, their lives, understanding how to balance their lives because they are they have a lot they have to handle. They have a lot they have to they have to figure out. So I think getting them to understand all those little details of their lives and being good people, I think that if they could do that and take care of that, I think the game would be easier. They would they would come out flying. They would come out take care of each other and to come out and play their best game and be their best selves. 
One thing that sticks out to me about your team from from last season is you as a player were kind of a goal creator, right? You were kind of a goal scorer. <laughs> and and last year, in 2022, your your Berkshire team, I, I think, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but one with defense a lot. I think it was t- 10 shutouts, maybe something like that. And you didn't often give up two or more goals in a match. So what what's that like to be kind of a goal scorer in your playing days, but then kind of create that kind of defensive intensity and that defensive presence in a program? Yeah, I think it's 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 about like learning how to stop myself and knowing what teams will put trot us and knowing what knowing when to play and when not to play. We love playing a beautiful style of soccer, love to play the game, but understanding when not to play. And we I'm I get for example at Kenya College, I had a phenomenal coach who I love to score goals with about the back of the net, but he he taught me how to play the other side of the game. He taught us. As a team, we were a really, played a really effective style of soccer. That played a role, Chris Brown at our Kenyan college. But it was also like getting our kids to understand that if they don't score us, we won't, they can't, they can't win. And the diff- different ways we could play as a team, as a cohesive unit. So it's difficult for them to break us down. And I, I think that, 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 that played a role. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's. Any, any player, I feel like initially who falls in love with the game of soccer, I mean, most kids start out being successful goal scorers, and that's kind of how they find that love where they put the ball in the back of the net and that thrill of scoring a goal. And it's, it's kind of the ultimate thing to, tr- to then convince players as they get older that like you have to win with the other side of the game too. You still have to stop goals. You still have to prevent goals. You still have to play the full field. You can't just put the ball in the back of the net all the time. Is, is it hard to... To, to get players to buy into that at, at that level? Or are the kids, once they get to the prep school level and kind of that, that elite level, do they, do they know the, the type of sacrifice it takes that you need to fill all, all positions on the field? I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a mix because we have players at different levels. Some of them, it's easier for them to buy into that. Some of them, it's, it takes a while. But I think our goal as a coaching staff is to educate every player. So if a player comes in at this level, trying to get them to understand, to get them like, oh, this is the game could play in a different way to get them to a certain level and to make them a better player overall. I think that's one of our goal as coach, as the coaching staff to get them be better soccer players. And not, and I think same players have a, a style, but I think they're in high school also. They should be able to say, hey, I want to play at this school with this system, that school with that system. And just fit in right away. That that means you're coachable. And I and I've heard of I had friends who have put like gone to certain schools and they struggle because the coach they don't play the coach and what that style is is just it's conflicted. So being able to like buy into it, them understanding that piece would only help them be successful later on in their in their collegiate or professional career. Now Berkshire is is a household name in New England prep soccer. I mean, I think last Class A championship was 2018, but they, I mean, you won a bunch. You won, I think, 12, 13, 14, 16, and 18. So it, it was a New England powerhouse, a national powerhouse. And it's not that it, it fell off in 19, 20, 21. I mean, it didn't, it was still a great program, but you brought, you really brought it back record-wise last year, you and the players in the program. I think final record, I believe you guys were what, 14, three and two to finish the season, got back in the Class A tournament. What is it about Berkshire that once made it such a great program and has the ability to make it uh, still a great program right now? I think it's, I think there are a lot of 
phenomenal athletes have come through the program, phenomenal coaches that have helped the program. The school itself been supportive of the program where like the likes of John Moody, Tony Mohammed, Charlie Bohr, those coaches have done a lot for the program and the alums. We've had like, like amazing support from them. We still keep in touch. They are really helpful. The families also, they, they have been, they've been like super supportive. I, I think we, I coming in and I just had to help, help the kids understand, okay, this, there is this level that I know you could achieve if you believe in yourself. Obviously the town wasn't there to some extent because the previous years were won the championship. Those teams have been, the, the players have been phenomenal. And one thing I, I, I know you, you under, you realize now is the league is getting extra competitive. That's the word I should use. I think college coaches often say, hey, a few of them would say, hey, the prep schools, there's this level, like the top five. And when it goes down, like the balls down. But I think right now, the NEPS hack and the league is getting more competitive. Kids are doing their homework. Programs are giving players the year-round experience. So I, I would say like, so that, that in terms of like getting that, giving the kids the right experience to compete. That was what I think I tried to give back and just seeing, I think being there in the 20, 2012 team and seeing the experience and going to college and having a great experience and just trying to help these kids, our kids accomplish something special. And that required a ton of work from their part in terms of balancing and believing and communicating and all that little stuff. And for my part and the coaching staff doing our best to support them through that. And I'm glad it turned out the way it did, but I'm sure they all appreciate it and they all learned something special about themselves and about their parents during the journey and during the process. Because none of them, like a few of them, I think a few, few people didn't believe or weren't expecting the 14, like my first year. And, but I think the kids actually believed that. The kids dreamt that. The kids wrote that down. Like, this is what we want to accomplish. And they had the right support, the right system, the right culture. And I'm glad the way, glad the way ended. You brought up an interesting point about, about the NEPSAC and just how much it's improved and kind of the depth and, and how many great programs there are. Every, every program within the NEPSAC has something that it can sell students on, that it, that it you know, kind of prides itself on. What is it about Berkshire? I mean, you guys are out in Western Mass. What is it that separates Berkshire from, from other prep schools in New England? I mean, you think that draws, aside from the soccer aspect, are there things that, that maybe people not in the area don't understand about the area that the, the school is in or just the, the what's around, like the community, stuff like that, that draws student athletes in? I think it would be the, the balance between academic and the athletics part and what we offer to our kids. It's it's probably similar to other schools, but I think aside from the soccer aspect of it, we we have certain programs we offer to our kids that they have an opportunity to be a part of. The AMSR program, the AESR program, these are advanced as it's from the academic side, advanced math, science research, advanced environmental science research. We have a pro beta week where we offer non-traditional, like not, not courses you will take during the year. The kids get the chance to travel. We have alums come back, teach fantastic courses to help stimulate our kids, not, not the physics or the chemistry, but like other courses that would help them be, learn more about the world, learn more about themselves. I would say that now that's, those are a few things now that makes Berkshire stand out. And I think just the support, 
the support from we have a strong alumni body that supports them that love this place that want to always give back to this space to this place and the kids and i think that would that those are a few things off the top of my head yeah how do you see yourself as, as a coach? Are you kind of like a, a player's coach? Do you feel like you can relate to the player as well? Like we said, because you're not that far removed from playing in college and playing at Berkshire. Are you, are, are you strict? Are you, are you a yeller? Are you a, a quiet demeanor on the field? What's, what's your style? I mean, I try not to yell. I feel like if I am a professional, if I work at a New York Red Bulls or NYCFC or whatnot, I wouldn't be a yellow coach because they have so much time with their kids year round to implement and or in the college system. Yeah, I because then there's only so much you can control when the game starts and when the kids are kicking the ball. But there's little information that needs to be passed during the game to help help our our team and our kids be successful. Certain trends we see from the other team. And I wouldn't I say I've learned so much about myself about helping and helping guide a lot of kids. I I was a, an assistant here for five years. So I've been in the position where I've played with the kids. I and it's sometimes it's like, whoa, we all play together and Oftentimes they forget I'm the coach in <laughs> that. But I think as a head coach the first my first year, like this past year, I tried to remove myself so I could see more. I think being involved, I, as much as I would love to do that and be part and help them, we have pushed them during practices. I think I could be more helpful to them if I just sit, sit away and just watch. And I wouldn't say I'm a hard I just have certain principles that I feel like, again, back to the little things, like coming to practice on time, putting on your shin guard, those little things would, as little, th those little details would help, help us accomplish what we are trying to accomplish, like communicating those things are, I hold those things strongly and I hold them accountable for that. So I'll say that's, if that gives you a sense of how <laughs> I coach. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How many players in this year's class, the class of 2023, how many of your players are going to be going on to play college soccer? Do you have a, are there still players figuring that out or? There's still players figuring it out. Right now mm -hmm. we have three, I believe three, four all set. It's been, a, it's been slow. Mm -hmm. I have no reason why. Maybe it's because of the portal or I don't know, but we have three all set right now. We have a, a huge class graduating, but hopefully in the coming weeks, coming months, that would, should be all settled. As a former college player yourself, what, what are your thoughts on the portal and just how it's crazy? I mean, it's like, I think it's across the board in all sports, basketball, soccer, all, all sports that kids are kind of constantly on the move. And I think this extra year of eligibility that, that kids have because of, of COVID has, yeah. has ramped that up too. But what's your whole thought on the, on the transfer portal and the player movement around college? I think it just makes, I mean, I'm just speaking from the high school's perspective, mm. from the college perspective the player's perspective it gives them the opportunity to to explore and go like try out different things and oh it's not working out here i'm gonna go over here but from where i'm at right now helping our kids get to the next level it just means that our program the programs the prep school programs the families especially the kids need to be proactive in how they put themselves out there it's you got to get out there to have this coach see you do your your own homework and also the program will help you but i think it makes it extra competitive because right now they could just get a kid from here right. Kid, right right so what makes you stand out that means you have they have to see you right and you have to be right out there and show them what you can do because it's not easy to think about it there's a kid coming from a d1 school he played out, for instance, UNC, and there's a kid, a freshman. Obviously, you want to grow the program, but like he weighed out who's going to make an immediate impact. 
coach, right? Sometimes it's like, that's what the coaches are looking for. But for you to show from the, the high school perspective, for you to show the coach like, hey, I have something to give to you. I have something to provide something special. And you know, that means you have to do a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's funny. It's like, you, you can see it both ways because part of, part of me is like, I, I totally appreciate player movement looking for your bet like looking out for your journey and what's the best spot for you and finding your best fit but then there's also part of me that's like it's some playing getting playing time earning playing time and, and carving out a spot in a, in a program is not easy and sometimes you got to kind of see it through and, and stick it out a couple of years and carve that role out and work hard for it I I, I I i often wonder like are players just bolting at the as soon as things get a little difficult and they say, ah, oh, this isn't for me, I got to go somewhere else. So it's always, it's funny because I love to get a coach's perspective on it. Cause just as a, from my point of view, it's an interesting little dynamic with the whole portal that thing. Is, yes. That is interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. <laughs> I want to talk about kind of your, your soccer upbringing and how you ended up at Berkshire. And when did you, how old were you when you, when, when you found soccer and kind of developed that love for the game yourself? When I was, I don't even remember when I was little, Nigeria, <laughs> I, played soccer all my life. I watched a ton of soccer. We I think back home there's something we do where like whenever there's a Champions League, Champions League game, whatever game, we would run to XYZ store and just pay money to sit down to watch <laughs> the beautiful game. And it's it's like crazy. It's chaotic. And what there's this Chelsea fan, this Arsenal fan, is this it's 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 I grew up doing that and playing a ton of soccer while going to school obviously. I was 17, 18 when John Moody and a bunch of college coaches came to scout us in, in Nigeria, which is, it's just amazing. Right. And I was all, I was all set to go to Kenya right before coming to, coming to Berkshire. But it was, I think it was for the best that I did a postgraduate year at Berkshire because that helped the transition. I was going to say that must've helped just get acclimated to, to the United States and just the, the soccer culture here and just the life of the life culture here. Exactly. So that, that, that was a, that was a really good intermediate in between that helped my success at Kenyon and walked into a phenomenal team here. Jack Harrison, Zico Lewis, Justin Donwa, like a few kids playing professional right now. It's just like, whoa. Right. And it's, it's all about learning the game. And I was just like, this is not how it's done or this is not how. And, and I think that oftentimes a lot of players got caught up in that because I, for me, it was my initial thing was like, questioning all that like why why would what what is going on here right are we running 25 miles per hour you could be sub tony john <laughs> yeah you have to go all that out <laughs> and that was hard to learn to take in but you know eventually i think to college and just understanding that oh wow this is how the system works this is a little different you got to go in and give your all you could be subbed which which makes the game extra competitive makes it more com more entertaining also because if it's going really fast and I can sub you, then kid players are more likely to give you all. But I think that's I, I think that's how that that's how I started right from from Nigeria and ended up at Kenya and and the rest is history. When you made that that move to to the states from Nigeria, was it? I, I think it's probably gotten moves like that have gotten more common at this point now. I think there's more of an influx of international players probably now within NEPSAC programs. But was when you made that move, was it common? Were there a lot of players that were there other players from Nigeria that made the move to, to NEPSAC schools or I mean Achara. Yeah. The Achara brothers. Achara played at Georgetown and I believe he's at a, he plays at Toronto FC. Now he moved to look at the, to Tim and MLS. 
other thing about Don. I can't remember. Yeah, it, it will come back to me. But sure. Achara is one from Nigeria. And I, at that time, I don't think a lot of schools, prep schools, were, were recruiting as much. Right. And I think it goes in the work John Moody did at that time, a phenomenal coach who walked his socks off to get amazing kids to prep school to Berkshire. And I, I was one of them. And he, I think it, it, we were, we were stacked. Yeah. We were yeah. stacked. <laughs> I mean, Zika Lewis, Jack Harrison, yeah. Justin Ottawa, Brandon Allen. Yeah, that's a machine. That's, that's a lot of talent. Yeah. Sam Clohers from Ireland. Right. We had kids from all over. Tana Tomasi from Ghana. We were just, and it's some, somewhat felt like, I don't know if, if that's unfair. I don't know. But, but also, I think it's not about bringing the kids in. It's about also taking care of them. Right. Right, right. Because if the experience is bad, then what was the point? Right, it has to be a good experience. Point? Right. What's the point? Right. So the school also supported them. The soccer program supporting them, giving them the great, the, the best experience, giving them everything they need. It take it takes a, a lot of work, and I think sometimes we just think, oh yeah, the kids are here, but like that's another piece of it that I think helped us. We there was right. a, it was a culture. The kids were they were amazing. We had a ton of differences, like, right. but. He just walked out, and as you can see with the results and stuff, like I think that year we were unbeaten, like we didn't lose a game, right. we were tied, and it's like after that year, it just I think that's the beautiful thing about culture when people see that it just attracts more, right? It attracts more, and I think right now a lot of schools are doing it. They're getting into that, getting a lot of players to come to to the United States. We have a, a, a freshman right now for the first time, a Ratchet Dreamer. Prince of Banfa, who is special. And so, again, same thing about like taking care and supporting them and right. having the right mentality. Yeah. What was the hardest part of coming to the States for you? Was it just being away from family? You know, what, 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 what did you just make that was the transition very smooth for you right off the bat? Or what were there difficult parts? There were a ton of difficult yeah. parts. Like, the show piece was a lot. The academic piece was a lot. I think most international kids would, would detest like the social piece, they're different. Get, picking up social cues, the academic piece, I think I was to be in an environment where the, the teachers were willing to help and support me was a key, key factor that really helped me out. The advisor, advising connection and the support from the school overall. I think those. I think those two were the most challenging. And also in college, it never stopped. It was just nonstop because the journey just kept going and I just kept learning more about myself, navigating life all by myself and being away from family, but still able to connect with them and my journey and supportive of them and all that stuff. So I think, yeah, I think those are the three big ones. Do you, do you get back to Nigeria much now these days? Or you, you get to travel back there often? or I have that bit back, yeah. yeah. I'm working on it, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, it's funny because I, I think, I think the, the things I see, the NEPSAC programs are really, are really doing that a lot more now. They're, they're finding those international players, and I think it's, it's become a key building block for these programs. I think it's, 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 it's been huge. And I, I always, I have so much respect for that because I just can't imagine, like, being 17 and just going away from everything that was your comfort zone for, for your whole life and just going to a completely different place and a completely different culture and trying to, to flourish and in, inside that it just it's crazy I, I i even like like club players today i see these 15 16 year old 17 year old players travel in the country playing soccer and i'm like i couldn't even think of that when i was when i was a teenager like that when i back back in my day just it, it was hard being away from your family that long it's it's an incredible commitment for these players yeah 
And I think it's, it's the situation is kind of different. I wasn't brought up like when I didn't have an account. I wasn't born in a civil spirit. And to me, soccer was an outlet. Always wanted to play professional. I think most kids want to do that. And if you think about it, you are one out of a million kids who are trying to make it. And being realistic, as some coaches have said, like there's only a few that can play at the top level. And it's not about making it there. It's about being there and being consistent and making, being successful there. And that makes it professional because it's not easy. So if you think about getting there and your path, because everyone's path is different. If you think about Jacob Schaffenberg's path, Achara's path, like Jack Harrison's path, they were all, all different. And you need to think about the amount of work you put in, the sacrifices you make, and those hands, those kids traveling here and there to, to, you know, to explore, to put themselves out there, to, to see how, what's going to happen. Because if you never know, right? You never know until you, till you do those things. But yeah, obviously that's. Yeah. How, how hard are those, those honest conversations for you to have now as a coach with your players when they're kind of saying, maybe you have a player come in and he says, I want to be a division one player. I want to look at that, but maybe, maybe they're not a division one player. And in your mind, they're not a division one player. Is it, is it hard to level with players and let them know that they might have to alter that path that they think they're going to be on? I think, I think we owe it to the, the, the kids. So to be honest with them, I owe it to the kids, to be honest. I had a great course here, one of my assistant coaches recently about like, Am I too, am I too hard in this game? So I know, like, why, like, I really want to, I don't want to be their dad, but I want to also do my job as a coach or their family. I want to find that balance. But he was like, yes, just be true to yourself and all that stuff. Because I feel like if we don't do it now to help them see that, if they don't fail now, you, it would, like, failing now will help them be successful later. Like, if they... Realize that, oh, this is not for me right now. I don't see that I would be successful right now, that it would help them later. And if, if we, if I say, hey, this is not yours and they prove me otherwise, then that's amazing. Right. That's even better. That's yeah. <laughs> maybe, I'm maybe you put a chip on their shoulder and that, and that right. fuels that's, them. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. But at, at the current state, what I see and what we see is to help them, hey, this is maybe rethink, rethink this. Look at this, this, this different way. We want you to be successful. This is what we're thinking should be what you should consider, right? And, and I, I think we just, we just always, I just cannot sit and watch them put themselves in certain baskets and end up with no choices. Hmm. Because we want them to succeed. We want them to go to the best school, not just the best schools, the best fit. The ones that, that works out with them, they're happy. They want to be there. They want to have that experience because sometimes they just, have this idea in their mind, which is, I think I was there too. Right. And you were there too as a teenager, like it depends on our dreams. We want to get there. And we, oftentimes you don't want to be that person that shatters them, mm. but you also want to say, okay, if you want to be there, this is what you need to do. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way, but this is the plan that you need to go through. You need to stick to it. You need to go to like maybe club soccer. You need to travel. Yeah. You need to do X, Y, Z. Right. Uh, so those are the sacrifices, the commitment. Well, sometimes it doesn't work out that way, but you need to have a plan A, plan B, plan C, just in case. Right. Right. But putting your eggs in one basket and just saying, do you want to burst or do or this or this? It's sometimes it's limited. And if you combine the academic piece right now, which makes it extra more complicated, because right now you need to, we are, as Berk, are, are Berkshire, the balance between academic and athletics is really important to us. You have to be a good student. You have to go to class. You have to get good grades because that only 
open more, it opens more doors for you in terms of your options to go to X, Y, Z school. Uh, so at the end of the day, as my dad would say, what happens if you break your leg? What would, what would happen? If right. Because those things, every time you go on the field and you give your all, it's, you, you are putting yourself out there it's, and injuries are things that happen. No one says they want to get injured, but they happen. So what if something happens? And what would you fall back, fall back to? Great education, right? That's right. what I would, I would hope everyone would say. So having that piece, a place that Berkshire would probably provide for you and maybe you go to great college and something happens, then you still have your degree. You right. still have a life, have a future. But we, we, if everything works out well, no injuries, we want you to achieve, oh yeah, play professional, get there and yeah. achieve your dreams. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned, there are parallels to being like, to being dad and being a coach. I mean, I, I, have, two, I have two young sons myself. My, my oldest is 11, so he's, my, my youngest is, is seven. But the 11-year-old's the like starting to really get into playing sports now. And it's funny, one time we, we were going to see a basketball game at a, at a Division three school. And we you know, pulled on to the, I won't say what school it was, but we pulled onto the campus and the campus was beautiful. And he was like, wow, this, this is, this is an awesome school. Like maybe I'll go here. What division are they? And I said, oh, they're division three. He goes, oh no, I'm going to go division one. I'm like, dude, you're 11, man. Like <laughs> I go, right? yeah, you're 11, man. Let's, let's slow the roll here. And you need to understand that even the division three level right now is elite. I mean, there's kids at the division three level who are right on the cusp of being a division one player. And maybe at, for academic reasons or whatever, they go to that D3 level. But it's, it's funny because you, you really do have to level with, with kids as, as who they are and, and what it takes to be that. And, and I, I would think those, those same conversations happen as a coach. You just have to be yeah. honest. The honesty is the best, the best way to do it. Yeah, and, and there's this, she had this story. There's this, I was working with this, this student more than one, helping them train soccer stuff. And because the mom was like, yeah, I would help you. And after the training session, she came up to me, she was like, this is everything I tell her every day. Well, she doesn't listen to me. But you and I think that just got me thinking about your parents, yep. parents, being a parent and being a coach. Sometimes maybe the other voice you need to hear from someone else. Yeah, maybe you hear from someone. Maybe yeah. that's just the, the the peaks. Yeah. But you know, again, it goes back to my role as a coach. I, I want to love them. I want to support them. I hope they see that. But it's just like the way I do it is a little different. Yeah. Then I can't be that. I, I mean, I then I could be both. I don't know. I think <laughs> like it's just. Again, it boils down to supporting them and giving them the best experience and helping them navigate this piece because right. there's so many moving pieces to it. So we mentioned we're, we're still about six months away from, from the next season, the next prep season, but what are your goals for the program for, for this year? It'll be a sec second year as the head coach. And you obviously had, as we mentioned, a great first season as head coach. So what are the goals this year? I think we made a few, I made a few mistakes this past year and learning more about myself. And I think, so just a lot of clarity with my coaching staff, with the, with the parents, also different ways of supporting the kids. I think helping the kids achieve their goal. That's just one thing that's always up there for me. And if they could. The start of the season, we should begin, and I see this kid is a different person at the end. I'm happy. I'm content. And obviously, every coach wants to win the championship, and you, that's that's what everyone's going to say. But I think I, I was here with the previous head coach, Charlie Boy, and I was just having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with him. Like, coach, you did a lot. We did a phenomenal job. Like, look at this kid. Where, where he started with the program. Look at how he, what he is now. Sometimes that is, that is not seen, not peace. It's more about, did you, did you win this? Did you win that? Right. So 
to me is more that that's what my focus is going to be because at the end of it, those things will translate to the bigger picture. Those things are what, because they, they say you are only as strong as your weakest link or your weakest player. So if we could get the weakest player or the, the team to, to, to educate themselves, to be better soccer players, to be motivated, to push each other, to be extra competitive, then we would, we would accomplish anything. So I think, uh, I think I have a lot of goals in that, those little things that I want to help them navigate. And if we could help them balance those, then we could, most other things will come. So that would, that would be my goal. I know if I probably think this through, I'll probably have a little more answers to you, but that would, that would be my goal right now. Well, hey, the, the program's definitely in good hands and you have it pointed in, in the right direction for sure after a great 2022 season. And Tony, I'm glad we were able to do this. This was awesome. And I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll be in, in contact a, a lot in, in the future as well. But thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Tony Amalo. I'm Matt Langoni. Thanks for listening. New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast is produced by David Yaz and is a Siemens Media Production. You've been listening to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to our podcast. Or visit anysoccerjournal.com forward slash podcast. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful.